Welcome, all you metal maniacs. I'm Jay. And I'm Jeff. And we've got another podcast coming. Thanks for joining us. We're all primed and ready on a Sunday. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. We know there's a lot of other things going on. Everybody's got shit to do. You could be heading out to the highway. You could be riding on the wind, but you're here with us, two bozos. (laughs) And we really appreciate that. So how's it going, Jeff? I am doing well. How are you doing, Jay? Doing groovy, man. Always groovy. And even if I was doing shitty, I wouldn't tell anybody. Got to be positive. Got to stay positive. Keep it up. Yep. So you been to any shows lately? Um, Let's see. What was the last show I went to? Was it Suffocation? I think it was Suffocation. Nice. That was a How really was that? good show. Killer. What are they like? I don't know if I've ever heard Suffocation. They are a death metal band um, straddling the line between like um, gore death and tech death. And they're just gore. a classic band. They've been around for 30 years ish. Oh, really? Yeah. I've and they heard just put of out a new I album last week and it's awesome. Oh, killer. Yeah. So do they have like uh, you know a thousand twigs making up their logo? Uh, no, they're pretty legible. <laughs> <laughs> I can wear that shirt on and people will go, oh, okay, that's that, that's suffocation. Oh, good. Nice. See, you have a trouble shirt on right now. Yeah. I'm just wearing a salmon colored shirt because I'm boring, and I don't have any concert shirts anyway. I don't know why. I just I don't, I've had them throughout the years, but they've always gotten old and tattered and. Plus, if anything gets old and tattered, they disappear. My wife does the laundry, and next thing you know, that shirt's gone. <laughs> so <laughs> yep. it happens. <laughs> She's better off just not telling me because I'd be like, no, keep that shirt. I love that shirt. If, if she would ask, and then I'd have like, I'd need an extra closet. So that's not going to work. So, any upcoming shows you're going to be going to? Yes, I'm very, very, very excited. Next Saturday, the 17th, I think it is, of November, I'm going up to Pensacola to see Restless Spirit, which are probably number two or number three in my list of favorite bands. They are incredible, and they're the they're the newest favorite band. You know, they've only been around a few years, and every album they put out has been, every release they put out has just been killer. And uh, they're small band, so they don't, they, you know, they don't do big tours. And Pensacola is the closest thing to me, so seven-hour drive, and I'm, I'm gonna see them. Very, very excited. Seven-hour drive, holy smoke, dude! Yeah, that's dedication right there. Yeah. Where, where was the suffocation show? How far away was that? Uh, that was like three hours away, maybe four. That was over in um, uh, Daytona Beach. Nice. Yeah, a- that was cool. And uh, thankfully, um, one of our Twitter buddies, a guy named John, he's a side eye on Twitter. He's a noted bolt thrower fan. Um, he was, he, he was, uh, him and his wife were going down there, and it was like, okay, cool, yeah, that that's good enough reason for me. So got got over there, and uh, yeah, suffocation just ripped. They're, they're just awesome, and it was definitely worth the drive to uh, first out hang out with John, and then second to see an incredibly noteworthy and memorable band like Suffocation. Killer, killer. 
So people are probably wondering why us two bozos are here. <laughs> I'm a longtime Judas Priest lover. Um, Judas Priest is the first band I really got into as a youngster. My formidable years. Well, actually, probably when I was about 10 years old is when I first heard Priest. And I've loved them ever since. Been my favorite band all my life. Uh, Jeff, you're kind of a Priest fan. Yes, hit and miss. Hit and miss. I, would, I, I will say this. I am not familiar with the entirety of their discography. I am, um, and even some of the stuff that I've listened to once and, and thrown in the bin, um, is there, there's a lot of that as well. I do have my favorites. I love Painkiller. I love Sin After Sin. I love Firepower. So uh, I, you know, I'm not coming in. With a wealth of Judas Priest knowledge, and it's going to be a little bit of an exploration for me. Um, the reason I loved the Judas Priest cast to begin with was it gave me a different point of view on all the Priest songs that they covered. And George and Hattie were instrumental in getting me a little more involved with Priest. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. No, their, their version of the Priest cast is awesome. So much insight. And... Uh, George is so knowledgeable. Hattie just has a heart of gold. And the things that she comes up with during song discussions um, relating to her situation or uh, her politicians or things that have happened to her, um, you know, living on the other side of the world is just fascinating. I just dig her. She's great. So every, it's going to be was a learning experience. I got, I got something new out of like, oh, that's what a woman in Bangladesh sees differently. It's a very different perspective on the world. And I, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, she's great. They're both great. But so that's kind of the the premise of the show is I'm kind of a Judas Priest fanatic and you are kind of a, a mid. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to teach each other. Um, you're going to learn along the way and I'm going to learn a lot from you because you know a lot more about music than I do. I'm basically, I don't know, I'm stuck in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> That's the stuff. I mean, there are some newer bands that I like to get into, but I have probably, I don't know, a, a list of probably 15 bands that I just listen to over and over again, you know, and somebody, well, like you, I get a lot of suggestions from you. Hey, you should listen to this guy, or, or um, I'm on Twitter. Hey, you should listen to this band. So I check them out, and inevitably I end up going back to Priest. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> I should have a lot more music knowledge. Heck, I'm in my 50s, so you think I'd know something by now, but I'm kind of a slow learner, and I, I'm kind of a creature of habit, so I just go back and keep going back to the well. Cause it's what I like. So, but you have a lot more of a, a music knowledge and I have a lot more knowledge of priests. So we're going to teach each other and hopefully the listeners will get some education too. Sounds perfect. Yeah. So basically what, what we're going to do is uh, carry on with the tradition of the Jewish priest cast prior to where we're going to pick a song, discuss that song but we have a lot of other different shenanigans we're going to get into. <laughs> Got some fun games to play. Um, have something that we'll pull out 
watch me while I whip this out. No, something we'll we'll pull out at the end of the episode that will pertain to um, the next episode. And so that's kind of exciting. It'll be a regular feature um, and it'll be on different bands as opposed to priests. Now it's going to be a priest centric podcast, of course, uh, which is why we're here and which is why it's called Judas Priestcast. But we are going to have a lot of exploration into uh, different bands. Um, so that should be interesting. And we have a little bit of history. Um, regarding priests, some situations they find themselves in, some places they've been to, um, some things they've done. So it should be interesting. I don't want to give too much away, but we have a lot of good, exciting things planned that I think people will like. Awesome. Cool. So, so what I'd like to know first off is we've known each other a while on Twitter, and we've talked on the phone quite a bit, but I have never heard how you got involved with Judas Priest. What What is your origin story for Priest? Well, I was about 10 years old, and it was after school. I went to a, a nice Catholic school. So I'm in my nice Catholic boy uniform, riding my uh, bicycle to and from school in the porn capital of the world, Canoga Park, California. <laughs> and uh, had a good buddy that lived fairly close to me. Um, so I used to hang out with him after school and he shared a room with his brother and his brother was a big metal head, probably, uh, I don't know, four or five years older than him. Maybe let maybe uh, between three and five years older than him. Anyway, they shared a room and his brother had a killer metal connect collection. And, uh, I was over there one day and, his brother came in and had a record, put it on the turntable. We were just kicking back. And out of the speakers, I hear delivering the goods. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? So I listened. And I was like, holy crap. I, I love that. You know, I'm like 10 years old, so I know nothing about music. But it immediately hit me, man. Just like, holy shit, I love this. I love this band. I want to hear more. And that basically is, is how it started. And I've been a, a fan ever since. Um, but it just kind of hit me in an organic way. Just kind of, you know, my heartbeat increased. I just kind of fell in love with the band from the, that opening note of Delivering the Goods. Now, I didn't know much about him. And his brother wasn't really that talkative. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't think he liked me anyway very much. I was just a little twerp. Um and he's older. Um so I didn't really ask him too much about the band but you know f as far as I knew this was their first album. You know, I I I knew nothing about him. So basically we sat there and listened to the whole record and I just fucking loved it. Um my heart went pitter pat. So we listened to the whole thing and uh, I, I had a record player at the time. I had just gotten a record player, but I didn't have any money. So I really couldn't buy any records or anything. Um, so I was waiting for, you know, the local radio station to play some priest. 
which this was when um, Hellbent for Leather Killing Machine first came out. So they didn't really get any airplay. Um, it wasn't until I heard the groovy song Living After Midnight. Just, yeah, <laughs> I saw your face. <laughs> it's one of my least favorite songs. By not, oh, I know. Not going to it, lie. It's been overplayed, overplayed, overplayed. They still play it, you know, kind of towards the end of each show. But at the time, I loved it. You know, this is a a year later. I it was just any random day. I had a little radio in my room, and I used to listen to the radio after school, whatever, just kicking back. And so, um, living after midnight came on, and I was like, "Well, that sounds like that band. That band I love, man." So I listened, and then of course. Back in those days, you know, there's no way to look up what's currently playing or whatever. So they played that and then um, a couple other songs. And then the DJ came back and said, you know, that was Judas Priest. So I was like, that is that band. That is that killer band I love. Man, I need to get this record. But I didn't really know how the record uh, industry worked or anything. So I, I, you know, I'm 10 years old, well, probably 11 by then. So I didn't know that they're playing the single to promote the record, you know, but I finally put two and two together and kind of begged my mom to get British Steel. Um, and she did, which was killer. So I had, I think, four records at the time. I had a Cheap Trick record. Uh, the soundtrack to Greece for whatever reason. <laughs> I just got it for uh, Christmas. Yeah, that didn't get played much. Um, and I had Pink Floyd, The Wall. And then I had, I got British Steel. I begged my mom. I, I was like telling her that I'm kind of on the ground floor of a brand new band. Nobody knows about them. They're my <laughs> band, man. They are my band. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest fan, this and that. Um, so I basically guilted her into getting it for me. And she's, my folks are kind of conservative. Um, you know, I was going to a Catholic school at the time. So luckily, you know, the cover wasn't too, I mean, it wasn't like the cover of Number of the Beast or anything like that. Right. It was, there's nothing overtly <laughs> satanic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just a dude holding a razor blade. So... And then I got that, and that was killer. Um, and, you know, they've been my band ever since. Uh, a couple years later, um, well, of course, they kept playing Living After Midnight on the radio along with Breaking the Law. Then when uh, Point of Entry came out, they played Heading Out to the Highway quite a bit, um, but I didn't get that record. I did get... Uh, the second Priest record I ever got was Screaming for Vengeance. And when that came out, I begged my mom for it. And so one day she came home with Screaming for Vengeance. And she also had um, The Best of Judas Priest, which was a combination of uh, Rockerola and Sad Wings of Destiny, those two mm -hmm. um, put together uh, through Gull Records. They 
made kind of a best of those two uh, records. And I had never seen anything like that. I mean, the font is different. It's, you know, the old Gothic font and has all these older songs. And I, I was still a, a priest newbie. So, you know, as far as I knew, um, Hellbent for Leather was the first record because I'm a, just a stupid snot-nosed kid. So I, of course, listened to Screaming for Vengeance because uh, they they were playing um, You Got Another Thing Coming constantly on the radio. So then I got that uh, best of, put that on, and the first song is um, the first song on. So that came on, and man, I was hooked with the 70s stuff. And Sad Wings of Destiny pretty much became my favorite record from then then on. I, I needed to get the older stuff. And that's basically still my wheelhouse is I love the 70s Priest above all. Um, but I, I don't know. Priest is, I, I feel like I kind of have an intimate connection with them. You know, they're, they're kind of my best friend. I mean, every time I feel they or every time I feel euphoric, um, any feeling I celebrate with Priest, especially when if I'm down, if I'm having a, a rough go, I kind of put on some Priest and, and they're, they kind of warm my heart, kind of my security blanket, kind of make me feel better automatically. And that's probably why I keep going back to them as often as I do. I mean, I listen to Priest pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I feel an intimate connection with them. Uh, they make me feel better. Uh, always do, you know, I mean, they just, the music wraps me in, in its arms and just, you know, tells me everything's going to be okay. Or if I'm really happy, they just make me rock out and sing at the top of my lungs. So and they've always made me feel like that ever since I heard Delivering the Goods. It's just that that's how I feel about them. What about you? Uh, Jay, that was an amazing story. That's absolutely cool. And uh, yeah, we all have those bands that strike a chord um, and resonate with us. And obviously Priest is your band. And yeah, that was that was a very cool story. Thank you. I can't believe I couldn't think of uh, the name of my favorite album of all time. But other than that, (laughs) 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 I guess I just got nervous. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a podcaster. (laughs) Neither one of us are. We are both winging this as, uh, as best we can. Yeah. We're on a wing and a prayer, man. So your pre-story. Freshman year in high school. I was familiar with Ozzy, familiar with Sabbath. And those were my, that was my go-to. Loved Ozzy, loved Sabbath. And had heard on the radio a couple priest songs, but never really paid attention to it because it didn't strike my fancy. And then I'm watching Headbangers Ball. And Touch of Evil comes on. I was like, oh, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And then next week, maybe a week later, uh, Painkiller, the video comes on. 
I was like, there oh, this is really good. So got my mom to buy me the cassette and uh, just absolutely adored it. It was that album I played, uh, you know, like 10 times in a row. It was it was that that noteworthy to me. It was like, this is the best shit ever. So right, time to get a new. Uh, t- and then I find out that they've got this long history and it's like, OK, cool. So let me get a album that's close in time to this painkiller album and uh the closest one it time wise to painkiller that was at the record store was turbo oh no and turbo is not (laughs) painkiller even if you like turbo you know that turbo is not like painkiller and i was fucking heartbroken it was like this is just the worst thing ever and I have not been able to get over that. I am. It's noteworthy <laughs> that I hate that album with uh, with a passion. You were traumatized was, for life. <laughs> exactly. So basically, that was the end of my Judas Priest. It was like, okay, good. It's Painkiller, and that's it. They they put out a a, a, a fluke of an album. Um, one of my friends in middle school and high school, and. One of the few people from back then that I still talk to, um, he uh, he was my musical Svengali, and um, he told me to go back to the seventies, um, <clears throat> and so I did, uh, and that was what got me. I loved Sin After Sin. I loved Sad Wings of Destiny. Those albums were progressive and more emotional and they struck that they hit that sabbath feel for me um where where it was not just um i don't know it, it seemed more permanent and more honest and more something so um and the 80s i would uh the 80s albums just didn't they, they sounded too commercial to me i could lump them in with like almost like the hair metal scene that was dying out um, more so than actual like uh, heavy metal. It, it just felt weird to me. And in, in listening to earlier versions, um, early episodes of the priest cast, I found out that that opinion was straight up wrong. Um, <laughs> but to say, I, I still, I can't stand Hellbound for leather. I can't stand living after midnight. I can't stand, uh, breaking the law they're just commercial slop to me um but there are deeper tracks on those albums that i have grown to appreciate or even love right yeah the the change between uh stained class and hellbent for leather is quite shocking because stained class is just heavy 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 and uh rob has kind of a more screechy voice on a lot of those songs and then immediately after that they go into hellbent for leather which is kind of more commercial Mm -hmm. um kind of for radio play and then of course they carried on through the 80s pretty much with a lot more of a commercial sound um but yeah i'm the same with you with liking sin after sin sad wings of destiny because they're so progressive they're so different so i totally agree with you there Painkiller, not really my favorite. A top 10 priest record for me, but 
I see you're into a lot more heavier stuff than I am anyway. Yeah. But the song Painkiller, I don't know. Uh, musically, it's great. But the screechy Rob voice kind of gets to me after a while. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Still a great song. Great record. Especially Side 2. Side 2 of Painkiller I love. Yeah. And actually, the song we're going to be discussing today, Panic Attack, reminds me a lot of Painkiller. Absolutely. So it, what, that, yeah, it's a it's a it's a banger. It is an absolute banger. I uh, I've heard it ten times now. It is a brilliant song. It has so much going for it. So, you are as the priest expert. What are your thoughts on Panic Attack? Well, uh, I don't know if I'd call me an expert. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I love the band, and they they really speak to me emotionally. Um, but I'm not really an expert. Um, I don't study them. I love them. I'll put the music on. I listen to them every day, but I don't really delve deeply into the history and all that stuff. I have now, in preparation for the podcast, gotten a lot of books and and get a lot of history going. So expert, I am not, but uh, I like the song. I like the song. I'd give it maybe seven out of 10 Hellions, which is going to be our new, (laughs) our new uh, man. So, you know, like, like I said, I like it. It's the lyrics are really interesting. Kind of modern. Now, they've been sitting on this record for, what, three years. So, but the the lyrics and the meaning of the lyrics really are kind of a modern type deal. Um, well, just for instance, the clamor and the clatter of incensed keys. You know, it's referring to keyboard computers. Warriors. Yep, keyboard warriors, exactly. And the dangers of keyboard warriors. Um so it's really interesting as far as the content's concerned. Musically, I dig it. Um, I like the kind of the 80s synth sound when it first starts, the intro. I'm usually not a big fan of long intros. Yes, they kind of no. <laughs> bug the shit out of me. Yeah, but uh, this one seems to be pretty good. Reminds me a lot of Tom Sawyer. I don't Rush song. Yep. I don't know if you caught that. I did not. No, but yeah, kind of. That is actually kind of accurate. That I, I can see where you get there. Yeah, it's uh, kind of proggy, I guess. Not overly proggy, but the '80s synth sound, um, and also the drums are kind of a Miami Vice sound <laughs> to me. Every time I hear the the drums in the intro, <laughs> kind of, oh yeah, kind okay. of a <laughs> a Miami Vice or a Phil Collins type sound so it's totally 80s so and then of course the the synth sound the kind of turbo synth sound that comes right before the song kicks in a lot of people call it like an air raid siren Uh i I could see what they're saying there but it reminds me of turbo lover the kind of the synth sound um throughout turbo lover it kind of reminds me of that um but it's kind of catchy the chorus is kind of catchy the lyrics are amazing um 
but yeah, overall, I like it. I, I think Rob's writing on this, if this is any indication, the new record, Invincible Shield, should be awesome. Um, uh, pissed because, off Rob writing lyrics is always a good thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. But let, let's get into it here. I have the lyrics written down. The clamor and the clatter of incensed keys can bring a nation to its knees on the wings of a lethal icon, bird of prey. So a le- lethal icon could mean, you know, a leader. Um, could be kind of a keyboard warrior that a lot of people follow. There's a lot of different things that could mean. Um, let's see, it's a sign of the times when bedlam rules, when the masses condone pompous fools. So again, you're there with a lethal icon and pompous fools um, that lead the masses type deal. And the scales of justice tip in disarray. So that that's the first verse and it's it's kind of awesome gets into a lot of different political aspects depending on how you want to interpret it um i think it's pretty much about powerful leaders propped up by media be it you know on the internet or television um kind of warning of what can go wrong through indoctrination and frantic mindless zombies (laughs) (laughs) the uh we're all kind of well, not all of us, but a lot of people are kind of like frantic, mindless zombies. They just go along with the leaders, you know, with their eyes closed and they pick a side and believe anything that uh, the leader of that particular group would say. And then, of course, you have a lot of, like you say, keyboard warriors kind of throwing uh, gas on the flames, getting people all riled up getting people crazy, getting people incensed. So it's pretty dangerous. I mean, Mm -hmm. you see in the news things that happen all the time um, from people that are kind of wound up, kind of zealots, kind of people that that are, you know, mindless zombies. What do you think? I have not dwelt on the lyrics all that much. Um, I other than I haven't dived into like deeper meanings. More of just like Rob's lyrics sound cool. The words are doing the words are doing their job. He's and he's got an amazing cadence in his delivery, and um, yeah. So all that you said seems to be accurate. Uh, my so. I don't like the intro. I'm on now. I'm being you, and uh, it's like that seems like an unnecessary intro. And and you hit the nail on the <laughs> head. It has a little bit of a turbo lover feel, and it's like okay, good. But as soon as the main riff starts, oh my god, it's such a good riff. Uh, I don't know if that's a um, Richie riff or a Glenn riff, but boy, it kicks ass. It it's got a bite to it. The guitar tone is this it, is good. It, like it had been on uh, Firepower. Redeemer of Souls is a bit of a, a bugbear for me. And the guitar tone just kills every riff and every guitar passage and every solo. It's just like that that album sounds so poorly, poorly produced. And then 
So to have this continue off of the wins from firepower, the gains from firepower, it just is, uh, it relieved me. And I'm very, very excited to see the next, to see the uh, rest of the album. Yeah. So Redeemer of Souls was um, produced by Glenn Tipton. Yep. And you could totally tell the difference with uh, firepower. Um, Andy Sneap produced. Andy Sneap is the touring guitar player. Uh, Now that Glenn Tipton, unfortunately, has the Parkinson's disease. So he comes on towards the end uh, of the show on occasion and plays, um, you know, Living After Midnight, Breaking the Law, stuff like that. Um, Actually, at Power Trip, he played uh, Metal Gods, which was really cool to see. Um, But yeah, that's unfortunate. But Andy Sneap... um, is a great producer he's produced a lot of things too many to to mention but you could totally tell you could totally tell the difference between redeemer and firepower and then of course this one sounds dynamite too yeah so i'm really looking forward to the new the new record as far as that's concerned um and it just kind of sucks that glenn has parkinson's but you know he's an older guy it happens mm-hmm. um, but he is credited um, as a guitar player on the upcoming record um, invincible shield and andy sneep is only credited as a producer he doesn't have any guitar credits which is interesting so i don't know how much glenn uh played on the record um I will probably never know, actually, but uh, that's kind of unfortunate. But yeah, sonically, it sounds great. Um, Lyrically, I love it. Um, Just kind of what it says, kind of the the propaganda aspect, the false leaders aspect. Um, The scales of justice tip in disarray, which a lot of people, depending on what side you're on, think that kind of this there are two different laws um two different kind of justice systems yep um they you know a lot of people on a certain side think that they're getting persecuted unnecessarily and the scales of justice tip you know from one side to the other which is Mm -hmm. really perceptive of rob because you know that that's when you get people into a panic attack when they think they're getting persecuted, when they think their side is getting shit on. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have keyboard warriors on that side saying, Hey, this isn't fair. The scales of justice are tipped. Um, And you get people riled up and then, you know, you have chaos. So it's really, I I don't want to say ahead of its time, but it's really, go ahead. It's it's timely. I would say ahead of its time. I mean, people have been yeah. complaining about keyboard warriors for 15 years, so yeah. not ahead You're... of its time, but it is timely, especially in this current super polarized world that we live in. Exactly, very polarized. A lot of indoctrination. I mean, you can't go anywhere without having opinion blasted at you. You look at the news, and half of it's opinion half right. the time. So, I mean, where do you go? Well, you want to feel comfortable. You want to be 
part of a community, you want to stick with people that are on your side that view things the same way you do. So you go to, you know, Fox or CNN, whichever side you're on, and you listen to their propaganda because it makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. So it, in that aspect, you know, the frantic mindless zombies, you're just a mindless zombie just listening to to what you want to hear, to what makes you feel better. And, you know, reading blogs and, uh, you know, on the Internet of, of things that kind of promote your side to make you feel comfortable with those facts or propaganda. Right. So let's see the. The uh, second verse, matters of fact fall on deaf ears. That right right off the bat is interesting. Falling on deaf ears, I think, you know, not deaf in the sense that you can't hear, <laughs> obviously, but deaf ears are people who take sides. Right. You know, they, they just what we were talking about. They only want to hear what they agree with. Mm-hmm. So their ears are deaf to everything else, you know, so that that's, I think that's a great line. So matters of fact fall on deaf ears while the bitter mobs ramp up their fears. Exactly what we're talking about. People get all riled up um, because they think they're getting shit on one way or the other. Uh, Let's see. While the bitter mobs ramp up their fears, go creeping around those corridors of power. As the deadheads gladly suffer sins, while the euthanizing then begins, the clock is ticking down to doomsday hour. Mm-hmm. So you have the you know the people with deaf ears. You have the media playing to either side, depending on what side you're on. Um, kind of getting people all riled up. You have the what's it say? The mobs ramp up their fears, go creeping around the corridors of power. So I'm not really sure how to interpret that. I think the corridors of power, obviously, maybe the White House or the halls of Congress or or whatever, and kind of our leaders are creeping around, creeping around, making me do things I don't want to do. No. (laughs) So I'm not really sure. How to well, interpret that one, but what do you think? Read that. Um, read that to me again. Uh, matters of fact fall on deaf ears while the bitter mobs pump up their fears, ramp up their fears, go creeping around those corridors of power as the deadheads gladly suffer sins while the euthanizing then begins. Yeah. I, I doubt it. Um but it's i almost read that as a um the 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 mob creeping around the halls of power that strikes me as a january 6th insurrection uh commentary yeah i'd think that um as well and what how long ago was that i'm trying to get mm-hmm. the as the deadheads gladly suffer sins so i i don't think it's deadhead and like you know, somebody driving, a, yeah, yeah. somebody driving a, a VW bus from venue to venue, <laughs> you know, following the dead, tripping out <laughs> on acid. <Yep. laughs> 
I think it's the deadheads, meaning what we were just talking about, you know, the people with deaf ears, the deadheads that kind of follow their God in a way, their leader, their leader of their party. Um, So you're kind of a, a deadhead following whichever leader around as opposed to following the grateful dead around <laughs> yeah so the the new deadheads the people mm-hmm. that are easily propagandized people that that are easily manipulated are kind of the the new deadheads so the clock is ticking down to doomsday hour yeah i mean i can see that but people have been saying that for shoot as long as i've been alive uh-huh. a lot of times it's <clears throat> excuse me a lot of times it's you know if you're a certain party you say well if this guy from the other party gets voted in you know it's going to be armageddon the world's going to end he's going to fuck something up yep so you know it's always the constant fear mongering from the media or from the keyboard warriors that uh, propagate fear you know Mm -hmm. get everybody riled up so the clock is ticking down to doomsday hour you again you're getting people panicked people are getting panic attack panic attack and getting all riled up um so i think that's pretty potent um and you know i mean all my life like i said all my life I've been hearing that, well, if, if this guy gets in, you know, he's going to fuck something up and the world's going to end, you know, and it never happens. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Any thoughts? No, that seems about right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got nothing else to add to that. So that's pretty much you know the theme of it is you know bad leaders misinformation um kind of the the theme throughout which is brilliant yeah Yeah, i mean it's just it's driving that point home a little bit more um the closing of this um it it close it does a does a damn good job ending the song on just a heavy note and we're done and we move on and I love it. Yeah. And also it's kind of the, the, the false ending is what I kind of call it. I mean, yeah, the song, the song could end. I mean, let's see. They could have just repeated panic attack, panic attack, panic attack, panic attack. But you know, you kind of think the song's going to end. You think they're going to repeat the chorus over and over, which mm-hmm. they tend to do, which a lot of bands tend to do. Yeah. That, that's a all... typical songwriting trick. Yep. And then all of a sudden, here comes another solo. Mm-hmm. And then it ends. So it's kind of a, a bonus solo, yeah. which is really cool. So is something I like to call the spinner. And... And what Basically, is the spinner, Jay? What is the spinner? Well, I'm trying to find it on my phone now. The spinner! So basically what, what I did was put every year on a wheel 
to spin so we could spin the spinner. Uh, every, every year between 1974, which is when Rockerola came out, until present, and my idea is we'll spin the spinner, and whatever year it falls on, we will pick each pick a record from that year and discuss that. And that, that's going to be a lot different between the two of us. I'm sure that, you know, if it falls on a paradise lost year, <laughs> you, you'll bring you'll bring that to the to the table and uh probably you know, yeah so that'll be interesting we'll we'll go over each other's choice for that year discuss that discuss um the band get into a little history there maybe discuss our favorite tracks off of it and we'll learn a lot about different music I am looking forward to that bit. That is going to be a lot of fun. You have a very different track when it comes to metal um, listening. Uh, you 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 came to it a very different way than I did. Um, and even though we are very close in age, it seems like there was just a little bit of a generation gap where I started off with... Um, Death metal was actually starting to come up, come to the forefront, and so that was one of my uh, building experiences. And you missed that because you were just that much, just that little bit older than me. And so uh, I am looking forward to listening to more traditional metal uh, based off of what your recommendations and your and what comes up in the spinner. And I would like to be, I like to point out. We've been into this uh, podcast like an hour now, and I was not the one that brought up Paradise Lost. That was you. <laughs> hey, it was going to come up anyway. <laughs> All right. So, uh, sacrifice to vice. What year will suffice for the spinner? Yeah, that was that awesome. Was, <laughs> my throat hurts. So, let's. it will get better. Believe yep. me. Um, we're gonna iron yeah. out some kinks. So you yep. are at Twitter at Rockerola. Cool. And uh, I'm Jimmy McDoom, but yep, um, I'm I think at Gaslamp Victim. Yeah, I'm at Mossab. M O Z S A B. Sweet. Yep. So we'll see you on the Twitter's machine, or I guess it's X now. I'm still calling it Twitter, and we'll call it Twitter till. Till, till yeah. Elon fucks off. Oh, well, that, that, that'll be never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's always going to be Twitter in my book. Well, thanks for joining us. Join us next time. It'll be awesome. And always keep 